again. It is Adam. This is Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where we talk to legendary and rising musicians about their journey in music and how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we were able to chat with Rain Maida of Our Lady Peace over Zoom video. Rain was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, and he talks about how he got into music. He tells us about the first instrument he learned how to play, which was guitar. His brother got the guitar for his birthday and never played it, so Rain took it and uh, started learning some songs. Once he picked up a few and started to get kind of the feel for how the instrument worked, he started writing music on his own. Never really covered songs, uh, aside from the very, very beginning of his career. He told us about forming Our Lady Peace, recording some demos, taking those down in New York and different clubs and venues and just handing out the CD to as many people as he could, he ends up getting a call from a bunch of different record labels. He knew somebody in the industry who ended up becoming their manager, still the manager to this day, and they set up this deal where Geffen Records and Sony Canada and all these people were coming to their practice studio to kind of watch them to kind of create this own little bidding war for the band. They ended up signing with with Sony in Canada, they put out that first record, talked a lot about that, the huge tours they were able to achieve on that first album. Rain told us about the success of the second record, Clumsy, obviously the major hits off that album and how that completely changed everything for him and, and for the band. We got into the concept of Spiritual Machines, which he put out in 2000, so 21 years ago, which was all based on this book called The Age of Spiritual Machines. So here we are 21 years later. The band is writing a sequel to Spiritual Machines. It's called Spiritual Machines 2. He goes into that record, where they were when COVID hit, how that affected the writing and, and recording process of this new album, and all of the new things going on with Our Lady Peace. You can watch our interview with Rain on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Our Lady Peace. Yeah, so this is a podcast about you, uh, your journey in music, and we'll talk about the the new record with Our Lady Peace. Super excited. Sick. Awesome. Uh, well, first off, want to talk to me about where you were born and raised? From Toronto. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I that that was like music mecca for me. We had some amazing things going on there, like like independent radio, sick venues. Um, I don't know. I felt like it was a stop for all the UK bands that were kind of bubbling at the time, you know, they come and play Toronto first. So we got to see those tours early. It was amazing. Yeah. Great scene. That's awesome. How did you get to music? Um, I don't know. Like I, I think 
like my parents weren't like music nuts at all. They dug music. I used to watch like Elvis movies on Sundays with my dad, mm -hmm. but I, I think it just spoke to me in a way that nothing else really did. And I always, every time, you know, I would like my friends would like dig into an album or something or a CD back then and, and like get it, but I would like live it. Mm -hmm. Remember, I remember like, yeah, putting on like a Springsteen, like Nebraska record or a U2 record. And it was like, I just would escape into that for like three months and listen to nothing else. And it, like, it would change me. And then another record would change me in a different way. And then, um, yeah, music was just like religion. to me. Mm -hmm. What was it? You said Springsteen. What was the first, do you remember like the first album or something that kind of like really drew you and were like, oh my gosh, like this is. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I don't know who, someone took me to see uh, ACDC. Okay. And so Back in Black was like the first, I bought a vinyl record. I was like, CDs were cool. But I was like, this is dope. I want this big piece of stuff with the artwork sure. and all the other stuff. Yeah. And so I just went deep into that record and like every song was amazing. And, but it was like, it was just like, oh, so there's actually like records where you can, it's not just about one song. Right. Mm -hmm. which I thought was really cool. So, um, yeah. And then it just spawned from there. Like I, I was pretty diverse, you know, um, like I said, from U2 to man, to like Bjork and Tori Amos to like, then, you know, Soundgarden when we, when I first started into music, like there's just, I can, I can picture all these seminal records where absolutely about the whole album. And, mm -hmm. and I love, and I still try to look for that. It's harder these days, it seems, but, yeah, not a lot of bands are putting out like full records, right? Unless you're established enough. I mean, newer bands, it's almost like you play the the singles game and try to push every song. It's crazy, right? Can. I know. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah, and you're right. And it's weird because that forces you to like go to older artists who just still are into that like album cycle. But lots of good music. Uh, yeah, I, I just it's funny because of COVID, I really found myself going back to record. Like I watched binge watched every new series probably known to man um which was fine because it's like escaping but music i went like comfort i went to like you know jeff buckley's grace and old leonard mm -hmm. cohen records and nick cave and and like i said like a Soundgarden stuff or deftones or, or whatever but old records because i don't know it's just like there's comfort in there mm -hmm. and even with the with the record that you wrote with your wife you kind of you guys kind of did that right you like didn't you like go stay somewhere? Like in, in we did, we yeah. did it old school, man. We did it for two reasons. One, I love the idea of like <clears throat> the artistry, and I can't kind of romanticize it, but like I used to do it with Our Lady Peace too. It's like we'd go away for like three months somewhere, isolate ourselves from everybody, and just dig into the music and the art. Mm -hmm. And that kind of got lost, especially with my wife and I, because we got like dogs and and kids and busy, sure. and phones are ringing, you know. But we just decided one day because we tried to do it for like three years. We're like, we're never going to make this record, man, unless we like leave and go somewhere where no one can get a hold of us. So we did it. <laughs> we did it for three weeks instead of three months, but we went to this isolated island off the coast of Canada that's owned by France. And it was dope. It was like, it felt it was tough at times, but it felt like, okay, this is about one thing besides eating. It's about the art. <laughs> and so I, I loved it because it was like 10 hours a day. Like, just really digging into to songwriting, which was really cool. I've not, I haven't done that for a long time. That's amazing. Uh, what was the first instrument you learned how to play? So 
when I, when I was saying like I, I got into all these records uh-huh. and a lot of them were like guitar. So whether it was Springsteen or I had like a rush moment, I, I guess you, every Canadian has to have that at some point. Um, but like you two and it was guitar. Right. So I, I, my brother, for some reason, who never became a musician, but he got a guitar for Christmas when he was like 12. And so I stole that and started just kind of taught myself like Sunday bloody Sunday by you two and, and started, you know, picking up little songs and, and like, um, Atlantic city from Springsteen, like kind of easy stuff, but that was it. And as soon as I connected that, Oh shit, I can play these chords and I can sing over them. Mm-hmm. As soon as I realized that I was like, I'm never playing other people's songs. I'm just going to write my own songs. Oh, interesting. So once you kind of had the structure down, you, you just started writing your own music. I never wanted to like cover songs. Even now, like even in my, in my band, like we don't do a lot of covers. And I think part of it is just like, yeah, I never was that guy. I never played in a cover band. I never really cared about learning other people's songs. Really. That was always like that. I listen to songs, but when I pick up an instrument, I want to write something that's mine. Mm-hmm. Were you always like a lyricist or did you write poetry or anything like that? Like when did that kind of come? Yeah. Poetry. That's why that was part of the music thing was like, I love creative writing back to like, I don't know, like fourth grade kind of thing. And I was just like, where did, what do you do with that? Like, I don't, I'm not going to like be a poet. I don't even know if like that's a job. <laughs> um, but I was like, I love to express these thoughts. And like, that's where like music was like, Oh, Oh yeah, of course. Like I love music. I'd love writing oh, I should just sing this stuff. Mm-hmm. How quickly did you form a band or was it mainly just songs you wrote on your own? Like, were you showing them to anybody? We had a band in high school and um, it was kind of like the first inception of Our Lady Peace. And then after that, instead of like all my friends went away to colleges and I was like, you know what? I'm going to Toronto. I'm going to go to college there, but I'm going to stay at home so I can be in a band. And so I just found a band in, in Toronto and that was kind of it, you know, it took a couple years, but we just did it. We did the, like we dug in, man. We wrote a bunch of songs, the demos, took them to like CMJ in New York, got some interest and then, you know, got like a deal with Sony. I don't really think they gave a shit. It was just like a small deal, but they're like, mm-hmm. Hey, we kind of dig what you're doing. seems like you guys are motivated go ahead, go make a record for like 40 grand. And if we dig it, we'll put it out and kind of just, yeah, it all happened from there. Wow. And was that like off demos and stuff that you had had shopped to them and were trying to just really. It was. Them- yeah. It was crazy. Like I literally, I, we did like a, a four song demo tape and I, t- I burned a bunch of CDs and I took them to New York to that college music journal thing. And like, I don't even know, man. Like it's kind of, when I think about it, I get nervous cause I don't even know how it happened. And I don't know if it could ever happen again, but I handed them out with a friend of mine to a bunch of people at like shows. Uh-huh. I was at like a helmet show at some club that was crazy. And uh, some dude was like, yeah, I'm from Geffen. Gave him a couple CDs, same thing at all these different shows. And then literally like the next week I w- like got two calls from Interscope and um i think a&m records which isn't even really around anymore and they're like hey you guys are canadian you know we have your your demos like come on man who is this <laughs> and um, yeah, right and they're and geffen was like no man we 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 really like this uh i don't even know how this got across my desk 
but like, tell me more. And so I was like, oh shit. So a friend of mine was in the business and I was like, hey, they kind of managed like a couple artists, not really, but I was like, hey, can you talk to these people? Just see if this is real. Mm-hmm. And um, so we took a day, returned some calls and then we talked, we met for coffee. He was like, look, this shit is real. Like these people want to, they actually want to fly here from LA to come see you. And I was like, what? And so basically that guy who ends up is still our manager today he was smart. He was like, okay, let's use this. So he got a few other labels. One of them was Sony and was like, Hey, just so you know, like this is my band where people are really interested. We're going to, you know, probably get into like a bit of a bidding war with these guys. Just want to make you guys aware. So you can want to see them anyway. So Geffen flew out and like all these labels flew out Whoa. and then, yeah. And then Sony Canada um, was like kind of happening. They came, they came at their head offices were in Toronto and they sent like three people over we had like two days where we just played, like we set up in a studio and we played for these labels when they came in. And Sony Canada was like the coolest because they were just like, like Geffen was cool because it's Geffen and they like signed Nirvana and back and I was like, shit, that's where we want right. to be. But then <laughs> the dude, the dude that came was like, yeah, he was like, this will be great. Like you guys just keep doing what you're doing. Send us demos. And, you know, when we feel like we have enough, we'll, we'll get you guys out to LA and make a record. And that sounded good because of like Nirvana and Beck and stuff. But in my head, when Sony came, they were just like, Hey, you know what? These four songs are great. You got how many more songs you guys have? And we said, I don't know. We probably have like four, but we'd like to write for another month to see. And they're like, do that, make a record when it's done, send it over. And I was like, Oh, that's different. That sounds way cooler. Mm -hmm. Doesn't sound as like big time, but I felt like with Geffen, it was like, we needed approval on everything and I didn't dig that. So we went with Sony and I think it was a, it was actually a, a good decision. Yeah. And then it obviously the next record, you gained the attention of Columbia and, and that's it. took off yeah. from there. So like with, with that first album, were you, I mean, you guys must've been doing some pretty big shows. I would imagine if, if you're getting these labels out and, and, and kind of had this interest. Well, we couldn't, we, we like, we, my manager was smart. It was like, cause we couldn't really sell out a club in Toronto. So it wasn't like, you know, that typical thing of like all these A&R people come out to a club to see you and it's sold out and they get, you know, they're like, damn, this band is happening. We had to do it in the studio. Cause we just said, we're basically recording. If you guys want to come by do that, okay. which was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of like sly, but it was a good strategy. Yeah. That was um, brilliant actually. Right. Right. I know. That's why we, <laughs> that's why we, that's why we kept that manager. Smart guy. Um, but I think, you know, the thing of like that album was done on our terms and it worked. It's like, like you said, it got us to like where Columbia and New York was like, we love you guys. We want to sign you. But it also got it like we toured with Van Halen all through the U.S. on that record. Robert Plant wow. like heard it in New York, heard our song Starseed in New York, called us. We went and did like six page of plant shows. Um, oh and like, and it, yeah. And like, so things, things were like, it was right. You know, it was and we were like building which i dug we got on a dope tour with like sponge in this band called letters to cleo which i still remember is like our oh first i love like yeah yeah like first like sold out clubs you know it was crazy hot people wearing our merch like it was fun like i, I really look back at that first record as like it was it was the right thing to do i think there would have been so much pre- pressure if geffen signed us that if it didn't live up it would like we would have probably not even be a band anymore so Right. You never know why you never why you make those decisions, but it was a good decision. Sure, because I mean, a lot of bands will sign a major or get these big deals, and 
have a, a hit or m- maybe not even or have a, a attention on a song and then they get shelved or they get dropped. Yeah, and man. I mean, to when you put out clumsy, I mean, that's when it probably really jumped, I would imagine. Yeah. To the, kind of a next level. Uh, was that one of those things like I, I know they always say like the sophomore album, was that even something that was in your brain or was it like, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, writing songs. And then it. I, yeah, literally, I like to try to stay away from the business for a while. And then when clumsy hit, you got to get involved in the business because it becomes, it becomes a business. But right. yeah, I never knew about like, that's like you're saying, like that sophomore jinx or anything like that. Really. It just felt like, Hey, we learned a lot. We played with someone like we played so many festivals with, great bands you know and i was just like okay i can't wait to go right because now i feel like i've seen so much more and like on that first record there was like there wasn't anything besides guitar bass and drums mm-hmm. on this on clumsy it was like man let's try some piano let's get into synths let's like let's explore like sonics more and so that's you know I, that's not why it was successful but i just think it just mm-hmm. helped us like that's there was no jinx it was just like man we're ready to like take the next level in terms of where we can go sonically yeah you're just evolving as a band it sounds like yeah yeah we weren't trying to copy like what we did on the first record um not at all we're trying to actually get way away from it and and do something better okay and to skip ahead a little bit i mean you your your record that's coming out is girls from machines 2 why was like what's the correlation in relation to the the first one that came out 21 years ago i know so that record was based on a book called the age of spiritual machines by ray kurzweil anyone that's a musician kurzweil are like synthesizers he invented the first synthesizer right okay i didn't know that yeah he's like a technologist inventor might live forever all about singularity and like the cross-section of when you can't tell a machine if it's a machine or a human like that's his Mm -hmm. big thing he has a book, obviously, uh, on Singularity. He has another one coming out in the fall on Singularity. And so the Age of Spiritual Machines being based on, on Singularity also had all these other predictions. And so it was wild. Like, man, he just, he got, he, he speaks all over the record. Like we had, we became friends with him. And they were like, hey, Ray, can you like, like speak what these predictions are and we'll put them as like interstitials between songs. And so like 20 years later, it was the anniversary during COVID. And we're like, shit, should figure out like how many things he got right. Ends up like basically everything was right. The only things he got wrong weren't wrong, but they were like timing. Like he says, like the driverless car I got wrong because we're not there yet. And I was like, yeah, but we're have driverless cars. But he considered it wrong because it's not like everyone's doing it right now. Right. But I don't think pretty, it's closed, right? Tesla's dude, like, you can snap your fingers. The thing will show up at your like, exactly. House. So when he says he, he when he says he's like eighty percent right on the prediction, I'm like you're probably like ninety eight percent right. But anyway, things like cochlear implants, and I don't know if you've seen like babies that are born deaf. Now they can get these implants and they can uh-huh. hear, yeah. which is brilliant. That's another one of his things. So he, he has like hundreds of these things. He's got like three hundred patents on stuff. But so when we when we talk to him and we're like, hey, this is amazing, like being able to look back and see what you got right. We're like, what's the next set of predictions? So we just kind of dug in and was like, yeah, man, this is the right time. Like, let's do the another the next 20 years. And so he does it, he comes on and he he's on the record again, talking about like what's going to happen in the next 20 years, which is pretty, pretty sick. 
That is so cool. How did you originally meet him? Was it just uh, that book? Fan? That, yeah, yeah, that book, that book. And just reading it was like, who is like this guy's so cool because he's obviously very music based, like inventing the first keyboard. We literally were using a Kurzweil keyboard in the studio. And I was like, this is crazy. We should just reach out to this dude. And um, yeah, he was cool. Like he came to Toronto, hung with us for a few days, did the voiceover stuff. You know, we just got to know him and have dinner with him. He's, he's wild. He's like crazy genius level dude. Were you working on that record when you contacted him? Was that like kind of the concept we, behind it? Or? We were literally like, we just got off the road and we're starting writing. We had like only a couple songs, but we just started to get in the studio and just kind of demo stuff and kind of like jam. And that book came across our guitar player brought in. And I was like, this is really crazy shit. Like it would be amazing to like really focus everything around the futuristic vibe of this whole thing. And so happened really quickly. And um, yeah, it's amazing that he's still around and like willing to be friends with us because he's a rock star in his own right. Sure. That's amazing. And so did this second, you know, th this new record, the, the next 20 years, yeah. Did this start over the, like COVID or like when did you guys start writing the record and when did it become like an idea to to pick up kind of where it left off 20 years ago? Yeah, we wrote this song before COVID. We were touring with Bush and Live down here on this thing called the Ultimate Tour. And we had a song called Stop Making Stupid People Famous that we were playing live. <laughs> and um, yeah, we talked to Dave Siddick, who's like... Um, in a band called TV and the radio was brilliant mm -hmm. producer. Yeah. 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 And group love and all these bands. And Dave dug the song. He's like, yeah, like, like let's, let's do this. So we did that song with him just as a one-off. And he's like, dude, what, like, what else? What's, what's the record? Like, give me some more stuff. And we're like, well, we're thinking of doing the spiritual machines too. He's like, Oh shit. He's a big futurist guy as well. You know, he's just on that level. And so he's like, I, I love that idea. So it kind of was just like, it was really organic. We're like, yeah, you know what? This is the right time to do it. We just kind of like semi celebrated the anniversary, but it was with COVID. So we couldn't really get out there and play it, but it just felt like, yeah, 20 years is the right time to revisit it and then figure out what the next 20 years like. And then to do that, you need a, you need an album. So we embraced it. Wow. Where so you had just got off the road with Bush and, and live when, COVID happened or were you in the middle of the tour? No, we just, we finished in like November. Um, and then COVID kind of hit in February and we were planning to like, Dave has a studio out in Texas that he loves called the ranch. That's pretty dope. And we were like, man, oh, I've heard cool stuff about that. Have you that recorded is, there before? No. And we were like kind of setting up to go out there and then COVID hit and we're like, shit, we, you know, we're not going anywhere. We got to figure out how to do this remotely, but I, I didn't mind how we did it. It's weird. Like Dave's such a genius. We would just send him like a demo or I would send him like literally an acoustic and a vocal five days later, he sends a track back and it's like, Oh my God, I can't wait to resing this. So he's just a different guy. He's like a, he's a genius. Like literally he's a, he's just a mad genius. I, I adore the guy. He killed it. This record is, it's so good. And I say not because of us, but because of him. So you started, but it all kind of came out of like it must've been a different process. Obviously you wanted to go to the ranch to record it. And then yeah. you're stuck inside. Like, how did you adapt to, to that? Technology, right. We just trade files. He would, he would, he likes to kind of work on his own anyway. Like he'll get in a room with us and he loves that. And that's where we're going to go to the ranch. But I think even at the ranch, it's like, we do the day with him, but then he like, 
we go out for dinner and or this is what he was kind of telling me the, the vibe it's like and then you go eat but then he'll he'll go in at two in the morning and work till six and do his thing oh. so this is kind of the same thing where it's like he would just do his thing send the stuff and be like hey can Duncan put a baseline in this? So we send it to Duncan in Toronto and he'd send back files. And it really is about just Dave getting everything and organizing and cutting things up and having fun with shit and programming, adding his touches on it. So it's, uh, I think the process actually worked in our favor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exciting. I, I, that's such a cool concept and cool idea to kind of come back to, to that and, and talk about what, you know, what did he get right? Like you said, in 98% of what he predicted kind of happened. So it'll be interesting. Did you, so the, the songs on the record, are, are they kind of based on what he's predicting for the next 20 years or just reflecting yeah. on what he had correct? I, I think people that loved the first like spiritual machines, like the OG one, mm-hmm. this is different. That one was really dark because the stuff Dave or uh, sorry, the stuff Ray was predicting was kind of like, man, how do we control the machines? Like, how, what are the legal rights of, of a machine when it's kind of like human? Like, how does that work? And even through film and TV, it's like, it's always like this dystopian, like, hellhole. Like, Earth turns into this, you know, it's like Terminator shit, right? Like, it's right. all dark. But on this record, our vibe was like, especially with Dave, it's like, it's much more rhythm oriented. So that makes things a little bit more upbeat kind of give shit hips that you know we didn't really have on other stuff and i got tired of like rock beats anyway and so dave saved it that way but by virtue of that it's like this this record has a more light positive kind of fresh feel to it even though there's it's not like an anti-rock record but there's there's a feel for it and and ray's predictions are all much more like positive like because technology grows exponentially so my wife will kill me. Like we have arguments with this, but Ray's thing is like, it's like I get climate change and we're in a crisis, uh-huh. but technology is going to be able to help us huge. And no one wants to talk about that. Sure. Because we, sh- of course we need to save the planet now, but like technology by virtue of saving, um, not just poverty, but like food shortages in developing nations and getting rid of like, you know, to where like, you know, some people are starting to eat like that Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger yeah. and shit like that. Like uh-huh. that's good. Technology is going to help that so much that you're not going to be able to tell the difference anymore. So we don't need cows. We don't need to have all these huge farms, killing the ozone layer, all that stuff. And that's just one thing. But when you start adding those things up, it's like, oh, wow, we are doing all those things. Not because we stopped eating meat because we didn't, we knew we had to for the environment but because technology actually created something that's just as good and we don't care anymore. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. this kind of reverse engineering of how we can save the planet. Then he talks about shit like UBI where everyone gets like this universal basic income where it's like, yeah, man, you know what? You can be an artist and work at Starbucks and a UBI. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're not driving a Range Rover, but it's a good life. You know, sure. and I think you can live that kind of, yeah. And that stuff's all coming. Um, and then, you know, tons of other cool things. I don't want to give it all away. But anyway, his view is like pretty positive. And so I'm just glad that we didn't make like some dark ass record. So the things <laughs> kind of like the things like definitely have synergy, which is good. That is amazing. That is. Amazing. And then you've, you've got so many other things going on. I mean, you help co-write and produce for other artists. And then obviously the project you put together with your wife and you did a documentary with that. Like, is it hard to yeah. kind of 
like when you're writing, I mean, I guess this for this new record is kind of like it, it follows suit with what you already, you know, 20 years ago. But when you're writing, is it like, okay, this is going to be our Lady Peace song or like, do you, how, how do you? I kind of know. Yeah. I yeah, think I you know, know. There's been like two songs where the bands are like, really? You didn't, you didn't show that to us? But more or less, it's like, <laughs> more or less, we, I, I know and even they know, you know, and, and it's gotten easier over the last like three or four years to really know what I'm writing for. But yeah, man, to create, I, I just try to start creative. I, I'm in, I like my side hustle is tech too. So we're actually releasing this new album as an NFT bundle first before it goes to Spotify or Apple. Really? So, yeah. Talking I don't about that a little bit. I, I don't know much about that. Yeah. The whole NFT craze is like hit when people who's like a, you know, he's a graphic artist. He sold a piece of art for like 70 mil on, on nifty gateway, which is like, yeah. So it's crazy. Um, communities like crypto punks and board ape, these things are, are massive, like collectible shit. Right. So uh -huh. huge, huge money in the crypto space for these things, but NFT, like the technology of blockchain, I work with a company based out of Seattle. I also have my own app called drops, which is for live NFTs at, at concerts, but blockchain just gives artists like superpowers. So if you buy this thing as an NF, if you buy spiritual machines too, as an NFT bundle, you get like the songs, which are high audio, like high definition audio, mm -hmm. but we're going to give away like the demos from each song. So you can hear the demo of stop making stupid people famous before Dave got his hands on it. You're going to oh. get the stem. You're going to get the stems to the songs. Like, so you can remix, remix it. it. Wow. Yeah. You're going to get like um, generative artwork. So like we've done additions, like the first 10 people that buy it, get a really exclusive cover art um, digital that there's only 10 of. And then the next one, there'll be 50 of this other one. And then there'll be a hundred and there'll be 150. So it's like, but these are all exclusive things that could be tradable. They could be worth money. You never know. You can go on a, a site like OpenSea and put it up for sale. And if you sell it, that's awesome. You make money. But because of the technology, we also get a piece of that. We get like a, a royalty out of that, which is really cool. It's never existed before, right? So yeah. The superpower thing is real. It's going to take a minute for people to start to understand it, but it's going to come quick. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I've heard about this where you can almost, yeah, it's like you're selling the rights to the things that you've created in a sense. Like, you I could, we could literally, we actually took a song off the album. It's like the 11th song. We're still trying to figure out how to do this, but we might like fractionalize it where we can sell um, a percentage to like 100 people. And so you own a one percent of the song. So mm -hmm. if it's on Spotify and doing well, or if Nike loves it and wants to put in a commercial, we're all making money together because you bought like ownership in it. That's yeah. never been available before, right? right? Like you can invest in <laughs> exactly. Art. Yeah, that's such a cool. It's such a cool idea. Yeah, and then if later on you want to sell it to someone else, like your percentage, and it made a lot of money and it's worth more, and it's like, hey, I bought a percentage of an RLP song for a hundred bucks. Now it's worth like 5,000. Go do it, man. Like go sell it. We still get like our little cut of it and you can make money. That's all. I mean, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's like uh, owning, it's like having stock or some sort of investment in, in something. It, yeah. I mean, look, if you're a big company or whatever. Legit. If you're like a sneaker head or collect vinyl or comic, you know how that shit appreciates. And so oh, yeah. if this stuff does as well. It's like, you want to get out? Awesome. The only thing that's different is now because of blockchain and what's called like a smart contract that's embedded in these, in these digital assets, mm 
we make life out like we make a little royalty throughout it every time it sells which you should and, it's your and, yeah part, is, you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 100 percent. so i i technology is good i don't fight it i like that because it's a totally different approach i mean i i I'm not a musician, but I would imagine that with streaming and everything else, I mean, you're, you're not getting paid what, like, let's be real. You're not getting paid what you should for these songs that are being streamed. I mean, if 100%. I look on your Spotify and you know, million, million, yeah. million Clum plays a month means nothing. I can't even buy uh -huh. dogs with that. It's like, yeah, I'm looking at clumsy it has almost 16 million <laughs> plays and it's like, they're not paying nothing. you, uh, you know, what you should be. It's not like getting a radio spin right nope not at all but it's not i mean look you could you own this podcast this could be an nft and you you could you know you can sell it later mm -hmm. and and the same thing you build in the smart contract and it's like for some reason i i invented like i don't know something that saves the planet and this 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 podcast becomes a thing it's like all of a sudden people are buying it and trading it and reselling it and it's like it's it's just putting value back in things that because of because of the way we communicate and socials, we've kind of stripped all that value out. But now mm -hmm. it's back. Now it's going to come that. back. I think yeah. that's so cool. That is so cool. And are you going to put the record out? Uh, so I, you're doing it as an NFT, the album, right? Yeah. And then are you going to put out like vinyl? Just because I'm a, a nerd. Yeah, for, for sure. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's yep. so cool. And Rain, thank you so much, man, for doing this. I really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. It was nice, yeah. uh, really casual. Nice to just talk like this. I, I'm just, I've been a fan of your band for a very long time, and it was your, your wife is such a sweetheart. It was great talking with her, and yeah, and she's, she's cool. real quick on her though. She's so like she can hear. I mean, like she's like, oh, it's like this, and then she can play the song just like, like she has like a perfect pitch ear, doesn't she? She does. I don't. I actually don't like her. <laughs> no, she's yeah. I mean, she's. You're right. Like anything, she a fork drops. She knows what note it is. She right. hears a song once and she can play it for you. It's it's pretty crazy. She's she's very intimidating that way, um, <laughs> but she's brilliant. So I'm happy. And she told me you guys met at a Pearl Jam show, which I thought that was right. We, we did. Yeah, That's hilarious. <laughs> very cool. Well, Rain, again, thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate your time. I have one more quick question for you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. I do. Honestly, I, I, I think more than ever, you got to love it. Um, but before when it felt like an artist, you have to be on like TikTok and you have to be on, you know, building Instagram and all that stuff. That's all cool. But honestly, like look into the NFT thing because there's a, it's small and it's early. But as an artist, if you start building a community there first, that's money and that's the way to do it. And where, just uh, another quick follow-up real quick to that. Where would you suggest people go to even get involved in the NFT stuff? Yeah, so the company that, that I'm part of is called Sing, and the I is a exclamation mark, so it's kind of flipped. We're, we're launching our marketplace in like 10 days, like October 29th. Wow. We are music-specific. There's, there's another cool um, company called Catalog.Works, they release like one of one albums. They're dope. Um, Record Shop without any vowels is another one that is basically more for like dance music, but the same mm -hmm. thing. It's like they're releasing tracks every day. It's going to start like really popping. And, and the more you learn about it now and control the rights, that's what it is. It's like, like even what I was saying about Geffen, it's like 
that shit sounds great. But at the end of the day, more than ever today, like as an artist, you want to be independent. You want to own your stuff because when this NFT things really happen, you're going to, you're going to have freedom where anyone that's signed to a label right now, the NFT space is tough because it's like, they don't, the labels don't know what to do. So Mm -hmm. you're stuck and you can't release anything. It might, my, my, I have a young kid that's like an artist right now. And he, if, if he finishes a song tonight with me that we're planning to do, he can release it as an NFT tomorrow. He doesn't have to talk to anyone. That's power, man. I, I would definitely go that route. <laughs>